for the move that you're gonna make in this place, God, the move that you've already had in this place. And I'm in a moment today where I know I need to hear a word from God. I need God right now. And if that's you and you're here in this place and you need something from God, I want to invite you to sing out and let's lift up the name of Jesus today. This isn't our moment to receive something, but this is our moment collectively to lift up the name of Jesus. Yeah. 
clap. You can clap for our Savior. Man, I, I thought that first uh, verse was so, so powerful when it says, you put your love on the line to bear the weight of sin that was mine. You ever been in a situation to where, like, you took the fall for someone else's wrong? Like, maybe at the workplace. I mean, how many have ever experienced that before? You Like, somebody else did something wrong, but you got in trouble for it. You ever been in that situation? Doesn't feel very good, right? But you think about it, that's what Jesus did for us. Like, he's the one that was lived a perfect life, and yet we're the ones that sinned, and he took that on himself. He bore the weight of sin that was mine. Yeah, church, are you thankful that he bore our sins? And I think that communicates such love and his faithfulness and his goodness. And then the, the second part of that verse says, washing my river of wrongs. Notice it's not like a stream of wrongs or a creek. It's like a river. How many can relate to that? I got a river going on, mighty Mississippi, a, a river of sin there. And then it says this, into the sea of your infinite love. And that's who God is. He takes our sin and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. He takes our wrongs that we've done and he makes them right. He's the one that bore all of that on, our, on himself. So today, why don't we just take a moment to lift our hands all across this place and say thank you. Just to say thank you to our Savior. Would you begin to communicate with your words? Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you for all the wrongs that, that I've done and you've taken those and you've cast them into the sea of your infinite love. Lord, we take a moment to say thank you. We give you worship. We give you praise. We give you thanks, Lord, because you are good and you've done good for us. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Everybody say a big strong amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord in this place. Let's thank him for his goodness. Man, so good. So good. Hey, we're out, glad you're out here at Summit Park worshiping with us. You know what today is? Baby dedications. Okay, so don't sit down yet. We're going to have those that are having their babies dedicated. Okay, come on forward, okay? You're going to come up on the stage, so make your way forward because it's going to take a while. But the rest of us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell at least 16 people whether you were a cute baby or an ugly baby when you were a baby, okay? Go on, tell them. Were you cute or were you ugly? Then you can grab a seat. Welcome to the cutest Sunday of the year, everybody. Look at all these great families up here. Come on, let's show them some love. Isn't it great? Um, we, we love doing this. This is an opportunity for us to celebrate families. Families are a big deal. And God loves families. God loves babies. And uh, God loves moms and dads. And, and really what today is, it's certainly a baby dedication. It's a child dedication. But... 
But more than that, and more importantly than that, it's a family dedication. And so we're standing, we're standing with these families and we're saying, hey, we support you. We, we believe in you. Way to go in having kids and way to go in bringing them to church and raising them up in the way they should go and making Jesus a priority. Come on, church. Can we just show some love to these families? So cool. Nothing better. Nothing better. And I'm so pumped. You're excited. You are excited. Um, uh, basically, where we get this idea, we get the, the idea of a baby dedication is from the Old Testament. There is a, a, a lady in the Old Testament named Hannah, and she prayed over and over and over again that God would give her a, a child. And, uh, and finally, God gave her a child. And as soon as God gave her that child, she dedicated him right back to the Lord. And uh, she said, I'm going to give him back to the Lord. And really, that, that's a model for what all of us should do. Because how many of you know, everything that we have from God is not ours, it's actually His, including our kids. And I think sometimes uh, dedicating our, our, our kids to the Lord, it may be the most difficult thing we do because we want, we, want to control, we want to control what happens to them. We want to protect them. We don't want anything bad to happen. We want to make sure their lives uh, like amount to something, that they all become professional athletes. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, successful bankers and lawyers and preachers and uh, we, we want to make them we want to make them into who we think we, we, they should be but how many of you know the best thing we could do is by giving them to God and say God we want them to be who you want them to be and so, so that's what we want to do we want to pray that God would just have his hand on their life because we're dedicating them now but I want to encourage you parents you're going to have to do this over and over again you have to dedicate them when they're uh, when they go to kindergarten that's a big day. When they go to junior high, that's a scary day. Uh, when they start driving, come on, somebody, that's a, you just pray, like anointing oil all over that vehicle. Um, but we want to pray with you. We want to pray that God would give you wisdom. We want to pray that God would give you strength, encouragement, uh, that he would just lift you up and that he would help you in this great task of parenting these precious little ones. So church, would you mind stretching your hands forward? We're gonna pray for every single one of these parents and families and babies and children. Father, we thank you so much for the lives that are here. We just ask that God, you would have your hand so upon every single family. Lord, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them. That God, your hand would be upon them in a powerful and significant way. That Lord, you would help these parents to know how to parent. God, it is such a challenging thing to be a parent. Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for divine strength. We pray that, God, in this moment, you would infuse them with the anointing and the presence and the grace of Almighty God, that, Lord, you'd go before them and that you would just help them, Father, to experience you and your presence. We pray for these babies. We pray for these little ones, these children, that, God, they would grow up to be world changers, that, God, they would make a difference Lord, but they would make a difference for your kingdom. God, that they would make a difference for the kingdom of God and they would follow you all the days of their life and, and God, that you would have your hand upon them in a powerful way and that the, that the world would be a better place because of their place in it. Lord, we pray for that and we ask for that and we pray blessing and strength and favor on these families and Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's just honor them and celebrate them. Thank you all for being a part of this. We love you so much. And uh, 
Hope you just have an awesome day. Thank you so much. You can, you can head to your seats. Come on, let's give them one more round of applause. I see some really chubby cheeks right now. I'm not going to squeeze them. I really want to. See you later. Meet me out in the lobby afterwards. <laughs> One more time. Give it up for all those. Come up here for baby dedication. Awesome. I'll have to say, first service, there were a lot more bald babies, and I felt right at home. This one, they all had more hair than me, but that's okay. Story of my life. Hey, how's the 1045 service doing? Feeling good? All right, all right. Well, y'all are looking great, and we're so glad that you're with us. Hey, maybe this is your first time here at Summit Park. My name is Nathan, and uh, we want to make it a great experience for you because we know that going to a, a church for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, uh, can be kind of scary, but we want it to be a great experience, and we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Easiest way to do that is fill out an info card, which you can just scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you, or if you're watching online, you can scan that one right there, and then just click on info card, fill that out, and then uh, we'll get that on the back end to be able to reach out to you. Plus, uh, we also have something called the Connect Center out in the lobby. So if you didn't stop by there on your way in, be sure to stop by there on your way out. And we've got a gift that we'd like to give you. But we're sure glad that you're with us. Would everyone put your hands together for all of our first-time guests here at Summit Park? Glad to have you. If you are new here at Summit Park, we have something called Growth Track that we're actually launching this Tuesday. Um, it's called, it's called Growth, Growth Track, and it starts at 6 p.m., and uh, it's a free dinner, free child care, and it's really an opportunity for you to learn uh, what our beliefs and values are, learn more about the church, but also an opportunity for you to learn what, how you're wired, like how God specifically made you, and then how you can use those gifts and abilities um, to bless others. So it's a really cool uh, course. It, it happens over three weeks. So I encourage you to get more information, sign up for that. Uh, it's on the QR code, on the, again, on the seat back in front of you there. Hey, uh, and then this is the last time I'm announcing this, but the Design for Life Women's Conference is coming up this Thursday. Y'all, it's going to be amazing and awesome. So if you're not signed up for this, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you'll be able to be encouraged by other ladies that are going there. They're reserving part of a hotel. And so we've got a lot of ladies coming uh, from Summit Park down to Springfield uh, to James River Church for the Women's Conference. So encourage you to get signed up. This is your last chance to do it. Again, you can get all the information there on the QR code. Dudes, we didn't leave you out. We've got something for you. We've got a men's breakfast for you, okay? So that's coming up on October 22nd. And you know what? I did confirm we're going to have bacon there, okay? We are going to have bacon, lots of bacon, bippity-boppy bacon for all the dudes. So I encourage you to get that, and uh, we're going to have Royal uh, Biscuit is going to be catering in. It's going to be a great, great time. It's just going to be an hour, okay? So you'll be able to still watch college ball on Saturday or go to the kids' soccer uh, games. But you'll be encouraged, strengthened, be, meet some other guys there. It'll be a, really a great time. And best of all, it is free, okay? It is free. I know that's like men's love language, okay? It's, I know it's mine, okay? And so it is free. I want to encourage you to get signed up. We do need to know how many are coming because we need to know how much bacon to get, okay? So use the QR code to get signed up. And then, ladies, get your man there, okay? Because I know your, your man maybe needs a little bit of work, okay? And you'll be glad that you sent him over to the men's breakfast. And it was so funny. First service, we had some ladies going, yes, hallelujah. So... I know some of you ladies are thinking that. That's all right. So, um, but encourage your man to come to the men's breakfast. It's going to be an awesome time. Then as well, on your seat, you've got this uh, Candy Palooza invite. Okay, you see that? Grab that. Grab that Candy Palooza invite. 
That's going to be happening on October 30th. And what it is, is just a, a cool opportunity for your kids to have just a blast. We encourage them to get dressed up in a costume that day to come out and be a part of it. But it's also an opportunity for us as a church to invite others in our neighborhood, workplace, their families to come out and for them to have a great experience here at Summit Park. So I want to encourage you to be thinking about, praying about who you can invite on October 30th to Candy uh, Palooza to come out and be a part of that. It's going to be awesome and great. Hey, one last thing I want to mention to you before we jump into today's message. We had a team that went and served at something that's called After the Harvest. So a team from Summit Park went and what they do is they grab, uh, they basically harvest food. And this specific one went to an orchard and they were able to harvest just under 600 pounds of apples. Okay. That's a lot of apple pie. Yeah. Put your hands together for that team that went. That's super cool. Got some pictures there. So what they do is they, they take uh, the food that they harvest and then they give it to local uh, food pantries like harvesters and stuff to help those here in the area that are less fortunate to be able so they can have food. So again, just want to say thank you, a big thank you to all those that went out on that team. You served in that way. Um, huge uh, blessing to our community. And I also just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's giving financially. It's uh, supplying the ministries here at the church and also blessing those in our community and around the world. So thank you so much for your faithfulness to give. I encourage you to do that on the QR code on the seat back in front of you, or you can give at the giving boxes out in the lobby. But thanks so much for your generosity. Well, hey, we're in week number four of Theophany. Pastor Scott's going to be up here in just a moment. We'll show you a few videos, then we'll jump into today's message. But thanks again for being here at Summit Park. What's up, church? How we doing? We good? Man, it is so good to have everybody here today. Thank you so much for coming out. I want to take a minute and I want to welcome everybody who is joining us via the interwebs online. We love you. Come on, church. Come on. Let's welcome everybody who is watching with us, whatever you're watching. We're glad that you're watching. And uh, it's a great day. It's fall, everybody. We're loving it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, I do want to take a minute. And I want to say to everybody who uh, is here today, who's watching online, uh, Growth Track Step 1 starts this week. Come on, turn to the person next to you say, it's this week. It's this week, all right? So we want to help you take your next step, all right? And if you have not done that, if you've not gone through Growth Track, I want to encourage you to do that. I'll be there. We'll be talking about vision. We'll be talking about values. 
we're going to have a great time uh, having uh, food together and, 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 and experiencing what we believe is what God's will is for all of us, and that's to move forward in community, advancing the kingdom and making a difference. We'd love to have you join us for that. It's going to be spectacular. It's going to be awesome starting this week, so make sure you sign up for that. All right, well, hey, we are in uh, a series that we've called Theophany, and we're basically looking at uh, the Old Testament, mostly the Old Testament, where God shows up in these moments and he reveals himself to people and he, he shows uh, his power, he shows his character, he shows his nature. And what happens for the people that experience like these, these actual manifestations of God as they walk away different. And, and a theophany, let's get just a little working definition that we're using here today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. is a visible manifestation of God to humankind. So it's when God shows up personally and powerfully and undeniably and in a very real, very real present way. And so these are called theophanies is when God intervenes and and erupts. And and these things teach us great lessons about God. So we've been talking about that. We've been looking at that. And today we're going to look at uh, one of the moments where God shows up and he basically uh, gives the, the Ten Commandments and he marries Israel. It's basically like a covenantal relationship. And, and so he shows up and he marries Israel, and we're going to learn real quickly that the marriage doesn't go very well initially, and so the message today, the title today is Wedding Bells and Divorce Court, the Theophany of Moses in the Ten Commandments, all right? So it's going to get real. It's going to get real up in here. <laughs> Let's jump in. Okay, we're going to talk about marriage, weddings, weddings. Do you guys know that weddings today are very expensive? Come on, just raise your hand if you know this. Raise your hand if you, if you know this, if you heard it, rumors. They're very expensive today. In fact, if I were to throw out a number of how much a wedding would cost, how much, I mean, how much do you think they cost? Come on, just somebody throw out some numbers here. What do you? Yes. Yes. Every, all of it combined. Together, too much is the right answer. Too much is the right answer. Okay, so in 2021, true story, the average cost of a wedding was $28,000. Everybody say, wow. That's a lot of money, y'all. That's a lot of, how many know you could do a lot of things with $28,000? Like, like, I mean, you know, that, th- those courthouse steps are looking better and better, right? Now, I'll be honest with you. I, like, we, we didn't spend a whole lot of money on our, our, our wedding. My wife was very, she's very savvy. She worked lots of deals, and, and we were able to, you know, use f- uh, lots of friendships and relationships that, that were able to help us come alongside. So, it, like, we saved lots of money. Uh, so, ours was nowhere near that. And so, I, when I hear that, I'm like, man, who would ever pay that much money for a wedding? And then I had a daughter. <laughs> and I'm like, take my money. Like, it, you know, it's like, I mean, it, it's like, oh, 28, is that it? Do, do you need more? You're like, not that I have it, but I don't really need this kidney, and I'm willing to sell it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so... So it just, you just want your daughter to have whatever she wants. She's only four, so I can't imagine what it's going to cost <laughs> whenever she gets married. 
But you just, you know, weddings are getting more expensive. In fact, uh, there was one wedding. It's the most expensive modern wedding was a, was a businessman, a wealthy businessman from India. And his daughter got married, and, uh, and they spent $55 million. $55 million. I mean, crazy when you think about, like, there were so many extra things. They rented out, like, this whole hotel in Paris and, like, like, rented private jets for everybody to fly from India to Paris. And you know what I bet happened in that conversation? I bet, I bet it started off around $40 million, right? Like, like, a reasonable $40 million. And then she said, but Daddy, you know what I mean? Like, and he's like, all right, we'll do, we'll do 55. And so uh, you, you, weddings are getting more expensive. But what's really, really terrible, it's sad if you think about it, if you spend a lot of money on your wedding and the marriage doesn't last very long. Yeah. Like that, that's really tragic. And, and, I, and I thought about, uh, some of you may remember this in 2011, Kim Kardashian married Chris Humphreys. Anybody remember this? Just raise your hand if you do. I know if you do, you're probably ashamed that you do, but <laughs> this, is, this is what happened. This is before, yay, and Pete, and all that. So this is way back in 2011, um, and Kim married Chris Humphreys, and they spent $10 million on their wedding, and they were married for 72 days. <laughs> Super expensive. You're kind of like, what a waste, right? You're like, what a waste. And if you, if you kind of calculated the, the expense of the wedding over the 72 days, that's $138,000 a day it costs to be married to each other. Crazy, right? Tragic. Reason I tell you that is because God basically gets married to Israel, and it costs more than... Kim and Chris's wedding, and, and it lasts even shorter. It's 40 days. It's 40 days before Israel violates the covenant and does their own thing. What a waste. What a waste. And we're going to learn a lot about God, about ourselves, and about what it means to have a relationship with him. And I, I really believe this is going to be a blessing to your life. I want to I look at several chapters of scripture. So I want to look at Starting in Exodus chapter 19, so if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn there, Exodus chapter 19, but I, I want to just do like a flyover over Exodus 19, and then we're going to like kind of just look at 20, and then we're going to go all the way to Exodus 32, which is where they end up violating the covenant, and where a mediator steps in to make a way for their transgressions. It's really powerful. We're going to learn a bunch about God, about his word, and hopefully walk away better uh, in our relationship with him. So if you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right, let's go. Exodus 19. Uh, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. So they've just been delivered, right? They've just been delivered from Egypt. God, remember, brought them out and, and he had called Moses. Remember the burning bush that we saw last week? He had called Moses to bring all of that about. So now they're free. They're walking in freedom. And uh, three months after this, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. And then Moses went up 
to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Everybody say, you're a treasure. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a treasure. Treasured possession, really important that you, that you put that in your brain. Although the whole earth is mine, God says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So God is showing up to Moses. And in the next couple of verses, we're going to see that he shows up in a dense cloud, and he shows up in fire, and he shows up in an earthquake. I mean, this is personal. This is presence. He is getting Moses' attention. He's getting the whole nation's attention. And the people are like, man, that sounds amazing. We're going to be a special possession to God? Let's do this. Verse 7. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. I love it. They're enthusiastic. Moses is going to get these commandments. And he's like, I've got a plan for you, but you're going to have to do these things. And if you obey me, then you're going to be, a, you're going to be my special possession. And they're like, yes, we will do everything the Lord has said. In fact, can we just take a moment and do a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of role play. All right, we're going to be the Israelites. We're going to say, we will do everything the Lord has said. Come on, everybody, let's say this together. We will do everything the Lord has said. That was not bad. But, you know, um, I think we need a little bit more enthusiasm, okay? Because this is a very, this is a very important thing. This is a very exciting thing, all right? So let's do, with, with enthusiasm, one more time, with enthusiasm. All right, let's try this. We will do everything the Lord has said. That was really cool. All right, I'm, now we're going to do it one more time, and I'm not going to say it because I want you guys to hear it. All right, ready? One, two, three. We will do everything the Lord has said. Very good. Lots of enthusiasm. Give yourself a big hand, actually. That was excellent. Excellent. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking and that you will all... Uh, with you and you will always, or that they will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Now, you read the next couple of verses. God comes down. He comes down with an earthquake. He comes down with uh, fire. He comes down with smoke. I mean, this is literal fireworks at the wedding of God and his people. All right? So you thought your wed you, had, you had sparklers outside of your wedding. God's showing up with an earthquake, and everybody's like, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. And, and you, you go to Exodus 20. He gives the Ten Commandments. We're not going to take time to read that. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's all things like, no other gods before me. Honor your father and mother. Don't covet. And then Moses goes back up the mountain. This, time's it's for, this time it's for 40 days. And these same people who said, we will do everything the Lord has said. They, made, they responded to the covenant. They said yes to God. And what do they do? Exactly what they said they would not do. Anybody ever been there before? That's the Israelites. Look at this, Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses, so we're going all the way to Exodus 32. 
was so long on coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, let, let us make gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Like, man, he's taken forever. We don't know. And this God, he like does earthquakes and dense cloud. Maybe he got killed up there. So we need something to worship. We need someone to worship. Whenever we're not worshiping God, we're going we're gonna to find ourselves worshiping something else or someone else. And that's what happens in this situation. And so God's like, all right, divorce court. <laughs> we're going. This isn't working out, Israelites. And I'm going to be done. Not only done with the marriage, I'm going to be done with you. Look at this. Skip to verse 9. I have seen these people, said the Lord. And they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. He's like, Moses, I like you. You get it. Like, you're, you, you get me. You understand how this whole thing's supposed to work. You're, you're honoring me. You're making me the most important thing in your life. I like you. Let's just go, and, we, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going I'm to do all kinds of things through you. We don't need all of these people. Now, I think what God is doing in this moment, he's setting Moses up and he's seeing what he's made of. Do you remember like last week we talked about the calling that he gave Moses to lead people, to be a leader of people. And at the burning bush, he's like, I want to use you to deliver my people. And now God is giving Moses a test. Will he step into his leadership role or not? He's already delivered them, but will he continue? And watch what Moses does in verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord as God. He said, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give you descendants all this land I promised them. And it, and it will be their inheritance forever. So Moses pleads before God, hey, listen, you said you were going to bring them out. You said you were going to be their, their God. You said that you were going to have an inheritance for them. Verse 14, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses steps in, is the mediator that the people need, and it teaches us three realities of our relationship with God that we can apply in our own life, all right? Number, number one is this, God makes the initial proposal. Number two, our response should be an enthusiastic yes. And number three, we need a mediator to step in when we don't hold our end of the bargain, all right? When, marriage, when, when the marriage goes south, this is what happens, all right? We're going to learn these three things. Before we, before we unpack this, I want you to turn to at least 16 people and say, it's an enthusiastic yes for me. How about you? Come on, just tell three people, it's an enthusiastic yes from me. How about you? Number one that we can learn from this passage is that God makes the initial proposal. God makes the initial proposal. You know, we've been following these theophanies from the beginning, and there's one consistent theme that we keep seeing is that God is the one who reaches out. God is the one who initiates this thing. You look at Abraham, you look at Jacob, you look at Moses with the burning bush, and it's God who is reaching out. And 
This theophany is no different except it's unique in that God not only reaches out, but he calls the people to specialness. He says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. God's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be special. It's going to be me and you. We're going to have relationship. We're going to be tight. God's like, I own it all, but, but you're special to me. And it's such a beautiful picture because when did God reach out to the Israelites initially? Where were they? They were in Egypt, right? And what were they in Egypt? Slaves. And not just any slaves, they were slaves that were despised by their masters. So God reaches out to a people who are slaves, who are despised, and says, I love you, and I have a plan for your life. Not only do I want to take you out, I want to take you up. I want to bring you into relationship. I don't want you just to know about me. I want you to know me. And I want you to know that I think you are special. You are treasure. Now, the word for special or that treasured possession is the word segula, and it means to earn, or it means to acquire. It's a Chaldean word. And, and what God is saying is, I am using all that I am to bring you up out of where you were to show you how important you are to me, and I, and I place incredible value on you. So, so the value, the value of this wedding is way more than $55 million. The value of this wedding is God's name himself. Is God very God. So when God reaches out to us, he's, he's reaching out with himself. God places his value on our life. So he's basically saying, you're so treasured to me that I'm, I'm literally willing to give myself for you. It's the language of Song of Songs in, in verse uh, chapter 6, 3, I am my beloved's, and my beloved's is mine. God is saying, I choose you. I want you to know this, church. I don't know what your understanding of God is. I don't know what, what maybe your narrative of what God thinks about you has been up to this point. But if it's anything less than God loves you and has a plan for your life in spite of what you've done and in spite of who you are, then it's not the language of the Bible. Because the Bible says that God has loved us with an everlasting love. That God chooses us in spite of us, in spite of the things you've done, in spite of where you've been, in spite of who you are today. God loves you and has a plan for your life. He loves you with an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. And he wants you to be special to him. Special to him. It's interesting when you keep reading, though. So God has a special plan. It's a treasure. It seems so affectionate. It's this very uh, marriage type of moment. And what does God reach out with? Laws. He reaches out with rules. And some of you are like, see, that's why I don't even like church. You know, you came for a baby dedication. It's like, now we talk about the Ten Commandments. I know they're going to be. It's, that's what church is. It's just so oppressive. It's just one rule after another. It's don't do this, don't do this. If that's fun, stay away from it because God doesn't want it for you. Like, that's how we feel sometimes. 
And yet God shows up to communicate his love with laws. Why? A couple of th- There's lots of reasons, but I want to give you two reasons today. Number one is God gives the law to keep us from harming ourselves. See, see, he reaches out with laws because he loves. And he, and, he, and he gives us the law to keep us from harming ourselves. Exodus 20, we didn't take a look at this, but Exodus 20, verse 20 says, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. See, what God wants to do is to keep us from sinning because sinning is what is ruining our lives. God wants to prevent us from giving in to the flesh because the flesh is what is hurting us. It's keeping us from peace. It's keeping us from joy. It's like in our, our Bible reading this, this week, if you're following along in the one-year Bible, we, talked, we looked at Jeremiah 5 and Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 5 says, your wickedness has deprived you of these wonderful blessings. Your sin has robbed you of all these good things. Jeremiah 7 says, only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. So what happens when we sin, we're actually hurting ourselves. It's like, don't touch the hot stove. You'll get burned. It's like, don't run out into the street with moving traffic. You'll get hurt. How many of you know it's not, it's not oppressive to tell a toddler not to run out into the street? It's the nicest, most loving thing you can do. How many of you know it's really dumb for that toddler who's three years old to be like, get off me, man, with your rules. I run where I want to. You know, like, that is dumb. Because God is actually trying to keep us from hurting ourselves. Let let me just break this down for us. Okay, for example, when we lie, we do it to get ahead, right? Like how many of you you have ever lied in this place? Just raise your hand if you've ever lied. Okay, so a lot of you are raising your hands. The rest of you, you're lying right now, literally. (laughs) Right now in church of all places. When we lie... We do it to get ahead, right? Like, that's why we would do it. We think, man, I'm going to cut this corner. I know I shouldn't do it, but this is going to help me, so I'm going to get ahead. We think it's actually going to get us ahead, but what does it do? It takes away our integrity. And integrity, the word integrity comes from the word integer, which is whole, right? So when we, when we lie, we think we're getting ahead, but we're actually taking away from our very souls. We're actually losing. When we sin, we lose or gossip. You know, we think when we gossip about somebody, like, it's, like we're doing it to make them feel, like, feel less and us feel greater, Right? Like, that's kind of what happens in, in, when you're gossiping about somebody. It's like, oh, man, and that person, and, and I can't believe they did that. And, they, and she, she always does that. And really, I know, I can't believe it. I, I'm not surprised. You know, like, that's the whole thing with gossip. But let me ask you this. Have you ever felt better after gossiping about somebody? Like, maybe for a moment you're like, and then you feel like, you actually work against yourself when you sin. Or when you lust, you think it's going to make you feel better. You think it's going to satisfy you, but it actually makes you feel more empty. When we get angry, 
We go off the rails. We scream. We literally stress our bodies out, and we negatively affect the relationships around us. So God says, I'm going to give you the law because I don't want you to harm yourself. God's law is not something to be afraid of or offended by. It's something to be welcomed. Welcomed. God, speak your law to my heart. What does David say? Your, Your law I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Secondly, God gives the law so that our lives will flourish. So not only does he not want us to harm ourselves, but he does want us to help ourselves. And, and so he, he gives us the law because the law tells us what to do so that we can have ultimate flourishing. It's like a master gardener coming in and saying, hey, you need to plant that plant in this soil. And you need to use this fertilizer. And you need to have this sunlight and this water. And the, oh no, this one is a, this one is a a desert plant. You want less water and you need to make sure that it's in massive sunlight and it, and it needs less because just the nature of it. A master gardener knows because a master gardener is, is, understands what is needed. It's the same for us. When God gives us commands, it's not because he's being bossy. It's because he wants our lives to be marked by fruitfulness. He wants flourishing. That's what God wants to bring. You look at the Garden of Eden. If you, if you want to know what God's like, just look at the Garden of Eden. Before everything goes south, God wants us to be flourished. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. This is what he has for us. When we sin, we work against that. So God gives his law not to oppress us, but to raise us up. And so it's important, it's important to understand that. So God makes the initial proposal, and the commands of God are for our joy. Second, our response to God and his commands is really important. So God makes the initial proposal. God's the one who gets down on one knee, and our response is really important, right? And the people, the people have an enthusiastic response. They say, we will do everything the Lord has said. I believe God loves enthusiastic responses. I really do. I really do. When, when I got engaged to my wife, Jen, 14 years ago, come on, somebody, we've made it 14 years. So great. When we got engaged, I set this whole thing up. I was going to like, I really wanted to, you know, show her how much I valued her. And so um, we met in this art gallery, like in, in, in Springfield. So I saw her at church. But then it took me a month to meet her, and so I met her at this art gallery by the time I actually got introduced to her. And so uh, we had dinner by this art gallery, and so we had sushi dinner, and so I was like, oh, let, you want to go for a walk? Sure. Okay, and I had this whole thing set up, this art gallery with, like, giant pictures of us, all of our dates, like, all over the wall. And, uh, and, then, and then I had, like, rose petals leading from the door to a table. I had Andy's custard on ice in the back (laughs) for all of her friends and family who would be coming soon. Laid it all out. So we're walking by, we're walking by, and we're we're walking by this this place, and I was like, oh, this is a great place, and I was super nervous, and she she just was not, like, she was not sensing my nervousness, praise the Lord. 
And so she's just thinking, oh, we're going for this walk. And I was like, oh, hey, this is where we met. Oh, isn't that cool? We haven't been here. You're like, oh, wait, look inside. <laughs> and she starts freaking out. And so we, I, I let her in. And she, she comes in. And I had my guitar. I was going to, like, sing and play a song. I was like, no, nah, forget that. And I was like, all right, let's just, let me just get. I got down on my knee. And then she jumped down on both of her knees. And she's like, yes! And I was so excited. I was so thankful. And then, you know, we, so we had friends and family in, and then church that Sunday, you know, she's got, she got engaged. How many you know she was worshiping just a little extra? Come on, somebody. It's like a disco ball up there. It's like it's reflecting the light. An enthusiastic yes. What God wants from us is an enthusiastic yes. When he calls out to us, when he reaches out to us, even, the, even if we don't understand all of it, but we know in our heart that it's right, he's looking for an enthusiastic yes. And this enthusiastic yes that the Israelites say is what brings the covenant online for them. So God is making a covenant with his people, and their response is what brings it online. Their yes is what allows them to experience the goodness and the grace and the blessing of God. So it is with us. God is looking for an enthusiastic yes from us. If we hold back, if we're like, I'm not so sure, or if we're like, I'm really want to holding on, I really want to hold on to the rest of my life and all of my sinful habits and, and all of my sinful activities and, and all of my own ideas and my own ambitions, I want all that I am, but yes to you as well. God says, No, I want an enthusiastic yes. We say, Yes, Lord, we will obey. Yes, Lord, I want what you have for me. Yes, Lord, I choose you above everything else. An enthusiastic yes. That's why the Apostle Paul will talk about this when, when he's talking about trusting in God and trusting in the grace of God. Romans chapter 10, he says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. you got to declare it. you got to say it. And so today, if you don't know the Lord, today you can. You can literally bring the covenant of God online into your life if you will say yes. If you will say, God, I'm ready to trust in you. God, I'm ready. I, I, I say no to me and yes to you. An enthusiastic yes. We will serve the Lord. We will do everything you ask us to do. So the, the Israelites say this. And yet, they leave it so quickly, don't they? It's crazy when you think about it. They enthusiastically say yes, and then they turn their back. And this leads me to the third thing. We need a mediator to step in when we don't hold up our end of the bargain. Despite their great intentions, they miss it. Can you imagine how Moses felt? He goes up. He's, had this, like, he's been up and, and down the mountain a couple times now. He's coming down. He's like, man, this is so amazing. We're starting this new relationship, this new uh, way of living for the whole people that we've delivered. And, oh, man, God's going to be so good to us. And he's made all kinds of promises to us to help us and to protect us and to lead us into a promised land. And, 
and let our, let our lives be fruitful. He's given us all of these promises. He comes down with the Ten Commandments on stone. And the people have made, have made an idol out of their jewelry and saying, these are the gods who, who brought us out of Egypt. Can you imagine how Moses must have felt? Can you imagine how the people must have felt? These people who had, with all of their hearts, said, yes, I'm in. And less than 40 days later are like, I'm out. I'm doing my own thing. Can you imagine how they felt? I know I can because I felt like that. And I'm going to venture to say that you have felt like that as well. Where you, you didn't do what you said you were going to do, what you did, what you said you weren't going to do. And what happens when we find ourselves, because all of us find ourselves in that spot. We are all sinners. And we all fall short. What happens? We need a mediator. We need a mediator. And I think, I think, I think God's just, he was just testing Moses to see what he would do. He's just testing him. Will you step into this calling? Will you step into what I have for you? What your great, great, great. Take this shackle off right here. It's holding me back anyways. That's going to be distracting for you. <laughs> we need a mediator. We need, we, need, we need someone to stand in the gap for us when we fall short. And you know what? It's interesting. Abraham does it. Do you remember we, at the theophany we looked at with Abraham? Where, where God's going to, he's going to take the whole city out and Abraham negotiates. Do you remember this? And he steps in. He steps into the gap. It's the same thing that Jesus will do much later when he will stand in the gap for the sins of the whole world, for you and me. It's the same thing he's doing right now as he is praying for us at the right hand of the Father. We have a mediator and we need a mediator. It's 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. We needed someone to stand in the gap for us, and Jesus did. We needed someone to take our sin from us, and Jesus did, and he does. And he takes your sin, your past, your present, and your future sin, and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. So you can come into this place. And you can worship with hearts full, committed, full on, reckless abandon, knowing that God loves you in spite of what you've done and in spite of who you are. Apply that love of God to your heart because that's what God is doing all throughout the Bible and it's what he's doing today. It's what he wants to show us. It's what he wants to show us. I was hearing, a I heard a story this week about uh, a, when Ronald Reagan got shot, 
when he was the president and he got shot. And it was very interesting. There were three people other than Ronald Reagan who got shot. And two of them ran from the gunfire like all of us would, right? Gunfire, you run from it. But there's one who ran to it, the Secret Service agent. Because they're trained. They're actually trained to run to the fire. They're actually trained to get in between the fire and the victim. That's, that's their training. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He gets the, very, the fire that we deserved, the fire that we brought upon ourselves with our sin, with our shortcomings. Jesus steps up and steps in to keep it from us. So we don't stand before a holy God who is worthy of perfection. We don't stand before him trembling. We come before him with confidence, knowing that we are covered in the blood of Jesus. This is Christianity, and this is why it's so beautiful. It's why it's so beautiful. God loves us and has a plan for us, and he has a plan for you. So I, want, I just want, let's break this down. Let's apply it to your life. God is initiating a proposal to you today what is your response going to be is it is it enthusiastic yes god wants relationship are you going to respond to him maybe some of you you're here today and you haven't followed the lord ever or maybe you haven't in a long time he's here and he's reaching out to you and he wants you to know him he wants you to have a relationship what is your response going to be maybe for some of you you knew the lord but you turned your back on him god wants an enthusiastic yes so let's give him that today. But here's the thing you need to know. Even with an enthusiastic yes, you will fall short. You will fall short. Let us get better. Let us move towards him in ever-increasing glory. But we're not perfect yet. And as long as we're on this side of eternity, we will fall short. But when we do, we have an advocate. And his name is Jesus. And hold on to that truth. Amen, church? All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this powerful idea, this powerful message of the gospel that teaches us, that teaches us how good you are and that how your commands are not something to be run from but run to. Lord, you're actually trying to keep us from harming ourselves and, and bring flourishing into our lives. And so, Lord, even though the law of God is challenging and convicting, we respond by saying yes to it. We want all that you have for us, God. We want all that you want for us. We say yes to you. We say yes to the goodness of God. We say yes to the truth of God. We say yes to the standard of God we welcome you in and yet at the same time Lord we trust you when we fall short we trust you with every head bowed and every head closed I want to take a moment because I believe that when we're talking so much about the grace and the gospel of Jesus that it would be it would be a huge miss not to extend that gift to you today if you're here and this message is speaking to you and, and you're hearing it and you're like, man, this is speaking right to me. I need, I need this. I need to know the goodness of God. I need to know the grace of God in my life and I want it. Maybe you've, you've walked with the Lord but, but you've turned away. 
maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ and you just came for someone's a relative or a friend's baby dedication, but you're here and the Spirit of God is speaking to you and God is drawing you and God is calling you, not because he, He's mad at you, but because He's mad about you and He loves you and He wants you to experience His grace. If you're here today and this is speaking right to you, it's, it's no accident. It's the, it's the plan of God. It's the purpose of God. And God is reaching out. He is making the proposal. Will you respond with yes? I want to invite you. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. If that's you today, I wanna, I'm going to count to three. And, and after, as I count to three, you just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I want to respond to God with an enthusiastic yes. You're here today. You want to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to say yes to God. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to count to three. When I get done, you just raise your hand and say, that's me. One, God is initiating and has initiated the greatest proposal that has ever happened. Two, he's looking for an enthusiastic yes. Three, raise your hand and say, that's me. I say yes to God. Hands going up all over this place. I see it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Just hold it up. We want to. I just want to pray for you. I want to see every person. It's awesome. Hands going up. Just hold it up and say, Jesus, I want you over here. That's awesome. We'll make sure I see every person here, here. Yeah, awesome. Father, I thank you so much for every person who is reaching out right now. I pray that, God, you would come and you would make your home among them. And they would respond with an enthusiastic yes. An enthusiastic yes to you. And that they would begin following you and serving you and experience all that you have for their lives, Lord. Let this be a moment, God, where they do business with you and that you move in their life and you change them in an instant. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, will you stand with me all across this place? So many people raised their hand and as we, we're going to get ready to worship here in just a second. And as we do... If you raise your hand for salvation, I want to encourage you as we worship, just make this personal and say, God, I believe in you, I choose you, and I welcome you into my heart. For the rest of us, can we apply how good God is to our hearts and our lives? And say, Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for your, uh, your abundant grace that you give so selflessly. Can we just lift our hands all across this place and just honor the one who is worthy of honor. Honor the one who is worthy of our praise. God, we thank you and we worship you for the truth of God and the grace of God. Thank you, Lord, that although we had turned our back on you, you have not turned your back on us. And you sent Jesus. And we love you and we praise you and we worship you in this moment. In Jesus' name, let's worship.
powerful. Hey, I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. Before we dismiss, I want to let you know that the prayer team's going to be up here. That if you've got a need, or maybe you know someone that has a need, we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. We believe that as you step out in faith, that God's going to see that, and He's going to honor you, and He's going to answer your prayer request. So as soon as I dismiss, if you want to come forward for prayer, and we invite you to do that. These prayer warriors are going to be up here praying for you. As well, just want to remind you this, this invite, okay? This is an opportunity to be praying and thinking about who you can invite to Candy Palooza. This is an opportunity for us to reach out to others. All right, one more thing before you go. Service is over, but church is not. Is not. You are the church, okay? You're the light of the world. Go be that this week. Invite somebody to come next week. We'll see you then. God bless.